Pastor Henson, I want you to come and greet a crowd. He's had tremendous impact on my life, and I appreciate you so much. I love you, sir. Thank you. I want you to say something. We, all I can say is that we, of course, this is one of our spiritual stars, <laughs> heroes. It has to be the, the Lord and the Spirit of God. But as uh, Kofi mentioned, for the nine years that we were at Zion North Point, we saw so many graduated, but almost to a person, man, woman, whatever their age, just a powerful anointing of the Spirit, walking in all the signs and the wonders of the New Testament. So we are just so blessed. I've always said that the best way to impart your spirit, your mantle, is through teaching. So I was first a pastor for 40 years, then a, a missionary for 10 years, and then a Bible college professor for 10 years. But I tell you, imparting that, so I'm, I'm going to leave it to him. But I want to say one word just in, in that he's an example of it. And that about two years ago, the Lord imparted into me a word that I would like for you to begin to speak. And it is this phrase, fire on the water. Begin to pray even now as on the 27th that you begin to have your water baptism. That people who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, that they will come up from the waters of resurrection speaking in that new language from heaven. Fire on the water. Begin to believe it. I believe that's going to be one of the greatest expressions of the end time revival. Fire on the water. Dr. Hansen, how, how old are you? Uh, 82. He's a... He's an 82-year-old preacher. So you see, <laughs> how, how, how do I... If, I made a big mistake. I should have had him speak at the end. <laughs> how, how do I even follow up to that? Great man of God, believes in the supernatural, believes in the power of God, you know, believes in miracle, believes in healing. He be, let me put it this way, he believes in the Bible. Thank you, it's such a great honor for you to be in this service, I'm very, very honored. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for all you did for us. TJ is trying, but he will get there. Hallelujah. <laughs> I want to show you this clip, this is... Um, some of the meetings, I think we probably have clips from here, right? In the last year and a half, some of the meetings we've had, or maybe two years. Um, is the clip ready? All right, let's watch this clip. Can you dim the lights or no? Let every spirit of fear break its hold over your life now. I'm just going to get this little thing. Oh, the touch of people tonight. Let everyone deal with any kind of demonic oppression be free now in Jesus' name. Our spirit of torment, I command you lose your hold over their lives. Come out of them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Man of God, that before this little child was not active, but having been prayed for, now she can crawl. But yesterday and today, after the prayer, she sees clearly in suffering with the best for about 10 years. She finds difficulties in walking, but after prayer tonight, 
She's able to walk. After prayer for the sick, the year has popped open. By then tonight, there is a miracle. Abraham believed in the credibility, in the integrity, in the character of God. That he said that he was promised. The one that has promised me. Oh, the one whose word said that by his strength I am you. The one who went upon the cross of Calvary and took stripes on his back that I might be healed. Let me tell you this, you must believe in what God's word says. You must say God's word over your symptoms, over your afflictions, over your difficulties. And say that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than I could even imagine. He is able to open doors unto me. He is able to create opportunities for me. Hallelujah. So this is just a short clip just to give you an idea of um, who we are and what we do. We go to churches and strengthen the churches and we set up stages in very, very remote places. We go to villages in Africa. I'm, I'm not, you know, it's, it's insane some of the places we go to. We were in a village of about 500 people in the village, we set up a stage and we had over 5,000 people in attendance. You know, people came from, because, you know, it is very easy, um, not, let me not say easy, it is beautiful to do crusades in big cities where you draw the big crowd, but everybody goes into the big cities. Nobody goes into the villages. So we wanted to, go to where people, you know, the need is the most because you go to, um, and then also some of the hardest things is working with pastors. So you go into the villages, there's not, there's no church there. <laughs> so you don't have to deal with the pastors. <laughs> I'm a pastor now, so I understand, trust me. <laughs> so we, 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 we do that. And it's been, it's been a, a tremendous blessing we see God do the unthinkable. We were in the village I'm talking about. There was a woman, you know, the closest hospital was six hour drive away. And not only, you know, that drive is the least of their problems. The money to get there or the money to pay is, you know, another story. The water, you, we saw the water, but there was no pipe that goes into that village and the water they all drink from was the same water they bring their cattle to drink. The water looked, I'm not exaggerating, the water looks like a hot chocolate. You know, so it is very, very easy to sit in America and sit in the four walls and think that this is the world. You know, one of the greatest deceptions in America is that Americans think that America is the world. Because if you watch Hollywood movies and they say that the world is under attack, what do you see, New York, L.A.? You see that the UFOs has landed on the earth. Where do you see the UFOs landed in America? So it is very easy to think that. But there's brothers and sisters out there that need desperately, they are praying for you to come and touch them. 
And that's been one of my greatest joy to go into those places. I remember we went to a place. And I'm talking about like, you know, I always make fun with Pastor George and Pastor Sandy. I said, you guys can go to Mexico and deal with the cartels. Leave the witches of Africa to me. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, Pastor George is tough. No cartel can run. But, you know, like me, I'll probably run when I see a cartel. <laughs> but let me tell you this. If you were a witch, I am the witch's worst nightmare. <laughs> Hallelujah. I have 99 problems and a witching one. <laughs> so, so, so we go to those places and, you know, like one of the, we set up our, we set up our billboard and they called me and showed me a video at which when they shot an arrow through my picture. I don't know what the arrow was meant to do. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But we would go on the field and before, you know, to start a crusade, and you see people, they've left witchcraft effigies and items. They've done different kinds of demonic things on the field. But, you know, one thing that I've realized, one thing that the crusade has helped me to realize that the power of God is greater than any power of the devil. You know, so... Crusade has helped me to realize that you don't even have to be troubled or worried about the devil. The devil is too small. I said the devil is too small. Amen. I want to I really encourage you to set aside these few days that we have together to push towards God. By the grace of God, you could ask my wife, we, God has given us the ability or through the, the grace to minister his word and miracle signs and wonders follow. You know, we, were, we go to places and miracles happen. But one of the deceptions that the church has is they think miracles happen just at the snap of a finger. Oh, you come, hey, can you work something for me? Can you do something so that I can get healed? But that's not how it works. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible says that Jesus preached he taught, and then he healed the sick. Christ, you know, people that are in desperate need of help are some, in the church, needs God's help, are some of the most funniest people. I remember I prayed for a man in um, central Pennsylvania for his deaf ear because he told me he had deaf ears. Can you pray for me? I said, do you, know, do you believe that Jesus can open your deaf ears? He said, I hope so. Oh, you hope so. At that very moment, I knew that he needed more teachings. You understand what I'm saying? So I said, are you going to come back tonight? He said, uh, I, I don't know. See, it's not a magic. The Bible says that for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me tell you this. If you hear a good faith message, you don't even need a preacher to lay hands on you. In a crusade, we, I, we don't have to lay hands. Whilst we are preaching, we get interrupted in our message. And say, so uh, evangelist, there is a miracle you hear, you, you know, you heard them say. Most of the time, it wasn't at the end of the prayer. It was during the preaching of the word. Evangelist, there is a miracle. This lady walked in completely blind, and as you were preaching, 
Because faith came alive. And she knew. She grabbed onto the word of God. And the word of God. The word itself has the power. The word. Jesus. The Bible says that for he sent forth his word. And it healed them. The word has the power to perform. You know, Dr. Henson wrote a book. And you think I don't, I don't remember. I still have the book. Um, speak. Speak the word and expect the wonders. Speak the word because the power of God is in his word. So if you can make time for God's word, if you can open up your heart for God's word these few days, you will see a miracle in your life. Amen. Amen. You know, the last time we were here, we, ex- we had many, many testimonies. And I believe that it's going to even be greater this time. Amen. And if you will dedicate these few days... I promise you I'm not going to waste your time. Amen. I want to preach a very, very important message. And I, I was talking to my wife yesterday because, you know, I, every time I preach, I'm not just coming. I don't believe, I don't believe to be a, a good preacher. I don't see myself to be a good preacher. Like Paul says that when I came to you, I did not come with words of man's wisdom, but I came with the demonstration of the spirit and power. To me, preaching is somebody's lifeline. Because there's people here that today and this week's message is going to change the trajectory of your life and to some, is going to save your life. There was a time we, were, we had a television program in Africa. We were in, on TV in Ghana. And I had a lady in Ghana that worked for me that answered the phone calls. And in one day, she called me and said that I had four people called me and said, if your program had not come on TV at that particular time, I was going to commit suicide. In one day. So to me, the word preaching is not just to show how eloquent you, you, know, you are, how good of a speaker. Some people do, do it that way. But I have a word from the Lord. So when I come, I'm not coming here to waste your time. I'm coming here because I know that the Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it alone is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. I was in um, Australia, and I was ministering in a, in a very nice church, great people. It was, um, I think, the majority of the people were, were all islanders from the Pacific Island, there were Tongas and the Samoans. And there was this lady, and, you know, I move around, I would walk around, and I'm going to get down and walk around because I'm an evangelist, and I, move, I travel. So even in the church, I'll be, tra- I'll be traveling around even in the service. So, but this lady caught my eye, and I felt the hand of God upon her, and I didn't, I didn't have a word for her. So I went and I said, and she was the only woman I prayed for in the service. I went and I said, woman, stand up. And I laid hands on her. The moment she went down, the Lord began to speak to me. I said, woman, pick her back. I said, listen, something happened in your life few, some years ago. And you have carried the burden of that which happened. And you have blamed yourself and you have said that, why did this happen? And I tell you that it was not your fault But it was the enemy that came to steal, to kill. And now he wants to use that issue to destroy your life. Let me tell you this. I don't know the woman from Adam. The woman asked to see me after the survey and said, can you repeat what you told me? And let me tell you this. I spoke under the unction. I didn't even remember. So I told her, 
I repeated to the best of my ability. And he said, 14 years ago, my husband committed suicide. And for 14 years, I've carried these questions. Why? What did I do? Did he hate me that much? Why? So you see, for 14 years, the woman has been carrying that burden, but it took one service for God to change her life and set her free. And I believe that God is going to use this service to change your life, this week to change your life in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach a message, and I preach it for the first time at the youth camp. And I, and I see a lot of young people here. All of you are young. Amen. All of you are young. All of you are young. Is there any old person here? Abraham had a child at the age of 100. If you are younger than 100, you are a young man. You can do great things, amen. You can do great things. I'm going to preach a message because I think this is a very, very important message because the greatest deception that we, we have, you know, it is, it's been very, very easy for us to believe God. We know that there is a God. That's why we are here. And we know that God is big. We know that God is great. We know that he created the universe. We know that he can work miracles. We know all these great things about God. We believe that his word is true. But most of the time, it is very, very difficult for us to, be, to apply the word of God to ourselves. And I found out that the reason why it is very difficult for us to apply the word of God to ourselves is because we have not even come to the realization of who we are in God. We have not received the revelation of the faith because let me tell you this. Though we ought to have faith in God, there is also a faith of God in us. And until you can believe that God has faith in you, it would be very difficult to put any kind of value on yourself. One of the greatest deceptions in the church that the devil has masterfully, I would say he's been masterfully been able to be executed successfully for a very long time. But I tell you that as this revelation comes, all the plans of the enemy comes to an end. Hallelujah. We break hold of his lies over our lives. Is that the devil has made us to believe less of ourselves. Rather than see ourselves the way God sees us. Let me tell you, until you are able to see yourself the way God sees you, you can never become who God wants you to become. You can never. I was in one of the videos, and it always, every time I watch the videos, I'm reminded of that time. I was preaching in a church in Enbridge, Pennsylvania, very close to our house. And I walked up to an older lady. She was about 84 years old. You know, close to 90, I think, about 86 or so. And as I walked past her, every time I saw her, something, you know, I felt something in my spirit. So, you know, and I joke around, I make fun of people, you know, all those kind of things. So I walked up to the lady, and my wife, we had just, my wife had just had a baby. I don't know which baby she had had. I think. <laughs> You know, people ask me, do your, do your children sleep through the night? I said, how am I supposed to know? 
I sleep through the night. <laughs> That's all that matters to me. <laughs> so my wife had had a baby, so she wasn't in the service. So I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to pick on an 86-year-old woman, you know. So I walked up to her. I was like, I grabbed her hands. I was like, man, if I wasn't already married, I would have asked you to marry me. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. That's okay. I was like, you're a very beautiful lady. She said, oh, thank you. And I said a few words. And I said, you know what? What do you want the Lord to do for you? And she said, well, I have arthritis all over my body. And I am deaf in one ear from shingles when I was young. So I said, you know what? The proof that God is going to heal the arthritis in your body is that he's going to open your deaf ears right now in the service. So I put my hands in her ears. And I prayed for her. The ears popped open. And about two months or a few months later, I received a letter in the mail. And there was $50 in the envelope. It's always good when you open the letter and there is, like, cash in it, you know. If you guys want my address, I'll send it to you. But there was a letter in the mail, you know, and I began to write, write the letter. And she said, I'm the 86-year-old lady. You said those kinds were kind words to in the service and prayed for the ears. He said, first of all, I haven't had pain from arthritis since you prayed for me. <laughs> now listen to this. And my ears is still open. But do you know, you know, it's 86-year-old lady. If her ears is one year is clogged, she's lived it all her life. That's not, you know, she didn't care much. But she said that the greatest miracle was she said that I lived in an abusive marriage for over 40 years. And my husband always put me down. And those words you said to me uplifted me and made me know that I am precious in the eyes of God. So I just want to say thank you. So what I thought it was a joke was actually a word of knowledge coming from the Lord. Amen. Because the devils are... Um, and the devil knows that he can't get you to go back on the streets and do drugs and sin. So what does he do? He wants you to become less of who God has intended you to be. He wants you to live lesser. Because if he can't get you to grab the drugs and grab alcohol and do all kinds of bad things, then what would he? He would want you to live lesser than God has destined for you to live. Amen. Whilst I was just talking about drugs, it just popped in my spirit. There is somebody or maybe a few people here. You've been struggling to break the spirit of addiction. You've been struggling to break it and you want to be free. God is going to set you free in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible said in John chapter 8 verse 44, John chapter 8 verse 44, that Jesus was talking about the devil. And he says that, Jesus said that you are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks what? Lies from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So you realize that everything that the devil speaks, because there is no, he has no ability 
to speak truth. And even if it sounds like truth, there is always a perversion to it. So, so then, you never incline your ears to the devil. Because whatever he tells you, it's a lie. That is the, that is the truth. Whatever the devil tells you, is a lie. You know, when I realized this, I, I don't know why people interview demons. Who are you? How long have you been here? What is your mother's name? I have the Kirasheva. I have been here for 2,000 years. Ooh, he's been in the body for 2,000 years, but she's only 32. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, this is in red letters. Jesus is saying that he is a liar. So whatever he has told you is a lie. Whatever he has said to you that has made you feel lesser of a human being, lesser of yourself. Whatever he told you that God can bring you out of that situation, that God can deliver you, that God can heal you, it's a lie. It's a complete fallacy. Complete lie. It is bogus. Hallelujah. The devil is a liar. So is his mother-in-law. Somebody says, so are you calling my mother-in-law a liar? Are you saying that my mother-in-law is a, is a devil? No, I'm not talking about your mother-in-law. Maybe your mother-in-law needs delivered, but she's not a devil. The Bible says that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So, <laughs> I'm not talking about your mother-in-law. Don't go home and say, hey, Pastor Kofi said my mother-in-law is a lie. No, no, no. I said the devil's mother-in-law. So Jesus said that whatever he speaks, he speaks from his own resource. Oh man, the devil has been lying to you for so long. The devil has been whispering in your ears for so long. You have bought a lie. You have bought a lie. It looked like it was the truth. You know, if you go in Africa, there is um, you go in Africa, places like Tanzania, uh, Ethiopia, where they mined gold in Zambia and Zimbabwe, in um, South Africa, where they mine gold, people do illegal gold mining. So you can find gold on the streets for very, very cheap. You go on the streets and you buy gold for probably less than a quarter of the price on the market. You can find it. It's even in Ghana. But the other thing is, there is people that are very crafty. They take stones and paint it and makes it look like gold. And you could buy it for a good price. And you thought you've had a deal. And you bring it home and you put it in the fire and you wonder, why isn't it melting? And then you crack it open and you see that it was a rock. Just a regular rock. Because what did you do? You bought a lie. You know, you go to places where they have precious stones, like Tanzania, they have the Tanzanite. They look like um, um, glass. You could buy it. And all they did was that they took a Heineken bottle, they cracked it and shaped it and looked like a Tanzanite. You came home, oh, I got a precious stone. No. You wonder why you were never stopped at the TSA. Because, 
because it wasn't a precious stone. It was a Heineken bottle. You bought a lie. <laughs> there, is, there is many people that have bought into a lie. The devil told you that you are not good enough. You bought a lie. The devil told you that you are ugly. You've bought a lie. The devil told you that you got, you got yourself into this mess. Don't expect God to get you out of it. You bought a lie. Because when he speaks, he speaks from his own resource because he is a liar and the father of it. There's many people that are born into a lie. And it has been very, very devastating. It's sometimes we wonder why we are not experiencing the goodness of God. We are not experiencing the blessings of God in our life. How come there is nothing happening? How come there is no miracles in our church? How come, you know, there is no, it doesn't seem, it's like I've been praying to God and I haven't received a testimony. Nothing is happening because you've bought into a lie. You are standing, you, you, you don't even know what God wants to do or what God can do for you anymore. Because the lies of the devil keeps ringing in your ears and you don't even know what is true. You don't even know what is true. So you don't even know what to believe anymore. You know there are people here this morning, you don't even know what, is, what to believe. Because your whole identity is wrapped around what your ex-husband, what your ex-boyfriend, what somebody did, what somebody said, what your mom did, what your mom said. But do you know that none of those matters? What matters is what God thinks about you. You know, when I was in Bible school, I used to dress anyhow. I used to live anyhow. And one day, I was reading my Bible and I saw in the scriptures, the Bible says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a peculiar person. The Bible says that you are kings and queens in the kingdom of God. I said, oh, man. I need to change the way I dress. I need to change the way I act because I am a king. I am a king. The Bible says that I am a child of God. I am God's kid. So I needed to change the way I acted. I needed to change the way I dressed. The reason why you live the life you live is because you have bought into a lie. The reason why it is easy for you to lose your temper, it is because you bought into a lie. The reason why it has been so easy for you to have one foot in the church and one foot out is because you bought into a lie. But the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible said that for we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy, lest he gains an advantage over us. We are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. The tricks of the enemy, we are no more longer because all the lies of the enemy are going to be reviewed, are going to be made laid bare before us. We are going to know what the truth of God's word says, what God thinks of us, how God sees us, and we are going to walk according to what God says we are, not what according to what our society have told us. You know, one great preacher told me that when you begin to know the truth, you will forget the lies. When you begin to know and believe the truth, you will start to forget the lies. You have to believe that you are who God says you are. And before you believe that, you must believe that God is who he says he is. The Bible says that let all men be liars and let God alone 
be true. That God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should take back his word. What he has said, would he not do it? God is who he is. He is the creator of the universe. He is the one that parted the rest. He's the one that brings the dead back to life. And if God is who he said he is, that I must be who he said I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if God said that I am wonderfully and fearfully made, then I can look in the mirror and say, indeed, I am wonderfully and I'm fearfully made. Hallelujah. Because men can lie, but God cannot lie. You must believe. Because let me tell you this, your, your belief in God will reflect in you. How you see God will be a reflection of how you live your life. If you believe that God is, has integrity to his word. That if you believe that God cannot change. He said, I am the Lord God and I change the Lord. Then whatever he has said concerning your life, he is not, let me tell you this, your mom had, might have changed her perspective about you. Your father might have changed his mind about you. When you were little, they thought you were precious. And when you grew up and you started having troubles, they said that you are the black sheep of the family. They changed how they saw you. But God, regardless of what you have done, regardless of your past, regardless of who you are, God never changed his mind concerning you. God said you are precious in his sight. God said that you are great. God has wonderful plans for you. He said that the plans that I have towards you said God it's not plans to harm you but plans to prosper you to give you a future and to give you a hope. He said for you are the apple of my eyes. God loves you and he cares for you. Hallelujah. I am who God said I am. It's just what it is. If God is who he is, because, they, you know, there are men who pride themselves with being true, you know, being integral, having integrity. They pride themselves of having integrity. They pride themselves and say, you know what, I, I, am, I am true to my word. My word is all I have. If I give you my word, you can run home with it. There are men like that, and they are just mere men. If a man can say that, then what about God who made man? Hallelujah. If a man can say that I have integrity, I believe, what I, if I give you a promise, I'm going to hold you to it. And I've had people to tell me that. Then what about God? Sometimes ask yourself, do you truly believe that God is integral to his word? That God will do what he said he would do? That God would accomplish what he said he would accomplish. Do you even believe that God is who he said he is? Then if you do believe that, then you must also believe that God, that you are who God said you are. I am who, said, who God said I am. You have to believe that God has what he says he has. God has what he says he has. He's not a liar. He made the whole universe. And if God has what he says he has, then I have what God said I have. Hallelujah. I have what God said I have. You have to believe that God will do what he says he will do. God will do what he said he will do. Then I can do what God says I can do. 
This is just simple. It is simple, but very, very important truth. Because this will put you on the path of a life of miracles. You know, sometimes the simple things, the simple things, the simple things is what you need. You, are, you have become too complicated for your own good. You have become too complex. You know all the Greek and you know all the Hebrew. So you, you are too, way too smarter than God. You know the exegesis, you know, you've read the concordance, you know. You know all that. You have become too good for your own good. You are too smart. You are too, you are too earthly, you are too, uh, what is it, heavenly good to even live on this earth. You are too smart. That's what the Bible says that, you know, (laughs) those that think they are smart, take heed, lest you become fools. You know, there's people that have, in their mind, they are so smart that everybody sees them as fools. Oh, man, they know how to explain, you know. Paul walked 400 miles and actually means this. But then they have no ability to manifest the word of God. No ability to manifest the word of God. They don't even believe everything is in their head and has not made, has not taken the elevator from their head down to their heart. You must believe that God can do what he said he can do. And if God can do what he said he can do, then you can do. For he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let me tell you this. As the child of God, there is no limitation for your life. You can go as high as you purpose your mind to go. You can build a business as big as you want to do. Because greater is he who lives in you than they that are of the world. If God be for me, what then can stand against me? For yet though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. God for me. Let me tell you, God is on your side. God is on your side. God is on your side. You have, you know, you have the greater one. The greater one living on the inside of you. Hallelujah. There is a few things as a believer you must come to understand. You must come into the revelation. You must come into realization, you must understand that you are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. You are created like God. Because in Genesis chapter 1 verse 20 says, God said that let us go down and make man in our image and in our likeness. You know, I've said this over and probably said it here before. Somebody asked me a question. He said, how does God look like? I said, look at me. Oh, do you know that you can say the same thing? Oh, man, one day I wish I could see God. Stand in the mirror and look at yourself. It is just the truth. You have been made in the image and in the likeness of God. Stop looking down on yourself. Oh, man. You have been made in the image and they like you must come to that realize you must come to that revelation. I've been made, I am. So you are telling me that if I see God, I see myself. Yes. That's what the Bible. I'm not telling you that. That's what the Bible said. 
That's why David looked at himself in the mirror and said, God, who is man that you are so mindful of? That you've made them lower than the angels, Elohim. You know, you know, actually that word Elohim means spirit. And when you look in the original language, my Bible college professor, he said, if I'm wrong, he would wave his hands and spank me. <laughs> but if you do actually, if you actually study, the, you know, the word Elohim means spirit. It can mean demon spirit. It can mean anything. But it's been translated as lower than the angels. No, but that's not what it means. Lower than God himself. A little bit lower than God. Because in the New Testament, through Pauline's revelation, Paul made us understood that God has placed us above even angels. That angels work at the command of you, at your command. So God has put us a little bit beneath himself. Hallelujah. Who is man? Who am I that you care so much? Oh, David looked at himself and said, Ah, indeed, I am wonderfully and fearfully made. You know, I just chose the first part. Some people chose the second part. I'm wonderfully made. Some people are fearfully made, but I'm not judging you. <laughs> but he says that, who is my, I am wonderfully and fearfully made. That is, you are created like God. Don't let anybody look down on you. Don't let anybody talk down on you. Don't let anybody call you ugly. Can they call God ugly? No. So why should they call you ugly? You are made. You must understand this. And let me tell you this. When you begin to understand it, you begin to appreciate people. The way you treat people would matter now. Your mind would change because you know that you are not just treating him bad. You are treating the image of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am created in God's likeness. Amen. I am created in God's likeness. I look like God. Oh, how does God dress? God wears a brown suit and wears cowboy boots. Hallelujah. 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 Man, that, isn't that amazing? Isn't that an, an interesting thought? Just to look at yourself. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past, what you've done. God made me. God put thought. And He said, You know what? I like myself, so I'm going to make you. So that every time I see you, I see me. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that interesting? You are, you are of God's kind. You are one of a kind. Oh, I don't care what you think of me. I know who I am. Glory be to God. I am one of a kind. That is the truth. It is the devil that wants to perverse what God has made. Because the whole goal of the devil is that, you know, when you read in um, Isaiah chapter 14, Satan said, I would ascend and I want to, I will sit in the congregation of the Most High and I want, in the congregation of the sons of God, and I want to be like the Most High. And God said, no, iniquity has been found in your heart. Because you want to be like me, you are no longer allowed in heaven. They kicked him out of heaven. And all of a sudden, God said, let's go down and make you like me. So you see, Satan wanted to be like God, but God said that I would rather have you 
become like me. So the whole goal of Satan is to attack the image of God. Because you know, sickness and disease, when you are, when there is an attack on your body, is just to attack and defect, put a defection on the image of God in you. It has nothing to do with you. Because the devil could care less about who you are. It is everything Satan does against humanity is to get back to God because he can never lift up a finger against God. You understand what I'm saying? So you realize that you put, your, you put yourself even out of the equation. The devil hates you because he hates God. But when you come to the revelation that you know what, I, I'm actually very, very precious to God because I, I am, I've been made in the image of God. I am one of a kind. And you realize that you are of a greatest value to God. You are of a great value. That is what I, I want the believers to understand. I want humanity to understand that you are not just anybody. You are one that God put thoughts in. You are precious. That's what he said. For you are the apple of my eye. You are of a great value. Everything that concerns you matters to God. Everything. Everything that concerns you matters to God. It's about time that we realize how vulnerable we are in the eyes of God. So that we can start pulling value on our lives. Because if you are not able to see how valuable you are to God, you can never put value on yourself. And we need to start pulling value on ourselves. You have to understand that you, I am loved regardless of what I've done. Because even before you were born, God had already sent his son to come and die for you. That's the love. What manner of love is this? That a friend will lay down his life for his friends. It is the love of God because I was talking to my wife yesterday after... We went out to eat a late night with Pastor George and Pastor Cindy and we we're driving back home. I said, you know, <laughs> you know how important the name of this church is, the power of love. Because, and I believe most people don't even understand the power of love. Because love puts value on things. It doesn't matter how anybody else sees it. When you have love for something, that thing becomes valuable for you. To you. Love adds value. So the love of God has added value to your life that no amount, because look at it this way. If God could have paid, if God could have paid for your sins with all the bloods of the bulls and goats in the world, there will be no goats, there will be no bulls in the world. There was nothing that God was not willing to spend for your sake. There was nothing if God needed to get all the gold and the diamond, all the precious stones in this world to pay for your salvation, he would, he would have raided the world of all the gold and all the diamonds. But there was nothing that was worthy enough for you except the, the blood of his only son. And let me tell you this, the Bible says that it pleased God. It pleased him. That is how vulnerable your life is. Stop looking at yourself like you are a person of no value. That it took the blood of the one who knew no sin, the God in flesh, the word of God in human flesh. It took his blood to propitiate for your sins. Oh, man. 
Man, I, you know, I am valuable. I am very expensive. Even in a natural sense, do you know how much, you know, how, who knows how much a kidney costs? Nobody. What, how much? 60,000. Even in the natural sense. A kidney costs 60,000. You, How many kidneys do you have? 120,000. Dollars. Do you know how much a finger costs? Do you know how much a, a hand costs? A leg costs? I'm talking about even the natural sense. Even in the natural sense, you are valuable. You understand what I'm saying? So there is way too much value on your life for you to live life just anyhow. For you to go just anywhere. For you to become a victim of the devil. For you to be abused and battered by Satan. There is way too much value on your life. Hallelujah. I am of the greatest value to God and to others. Oh, I believe that I am valuable. It doesn't matter what my wife thinks. <laughs> Glory be to God. You have to understand that God has empowered you to do great things in your generation. That the Bible says that a living dog is better than a dead lion. So as long as there is breath in you, there is a purpose that God has for you to accomplish in this generation. Your life is not useless. The only reason why it might look useless is that you are yet to discover the value of your life. You are yet to come into the realization, the importance of who you are. And I pray that from today, in the name of Jesus Christ, that everything that might have looked like it was a useless living will come to an end. And a great value shall be placed upon your life, and you shall do great things for God in the name of Jesus. If you believe, you say amen. amen. I am commissioned as an ambassador for his royal kingdom. I am an ambassador for God's kingdom. That's who I am. That's what I do. I am a representative of God's kingdom. In your job places, you go there in place of God. When people see you, anybody that wants to have a meeting with God, you are there. Hallelujah. God has placed you in Houston to represent and enforce his kingdom here in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Life is not supposed to be useless. That is just the fact. Life is not supposed to be useless. There must be value placed on your life. You are very, very valuable. Very, very, very valuable. Sin came to this world to destroy it. Sin wanted to, you know... Take the, destroy the image of God out of your life. But even in the midst of sin, God still saw you to be a very terrific person. Amen. That in the midst of sin, you know, do you know how, do you know that God could have, after man fought, God could have done this. Take his hands, wipe everything from the face of the earth, and re, re, um, create everything all over again. But no, he saw you. He saw how important you are. How vulnerable you are. He said, no. Instead of me getting rid of him, I would make a way to restore him back to me. That is how important you are. That's how valuable. Because God put place value on yourself. The thing is that you never put any value on yourself. That is why you struggle. That is why you are not experiencing the goodness of God. Because you never put any value on yourself. 
So you realize that it's not even God's fault. It's not God's fault. No, it's not. Because you never, because you bought into a lie, you bought that fake gold, you bought that fake diamond. You listen, you incline your ears to the, to the, to the voices of the devil. You listen to Satan. You listen to lies. That's why you never saw yourself as good enough. That's why you saw yourself as, you know, because you, you, you gave in to, to the things that happened around you. Yes, things happen, but the things that happen doesn't define you. Who you are is what the word of God says you are. Your past doesn't define you. My past, you know, you know I remember I was, you know, I was at a wedding. One of my friends from college, I was at a wedding. And I used to do a lot of bad stuff when I was in college. A lot of bad stuff. And we met, you know, all these friends. We got together. We haven't seen each, each other in years. And they began to talk. Man, Kofi, you remember this and this in college? You remember you did this in college? I said, no, I never did that. <laughs> I was, they said, ah, I thought you were a man of God. You're not supposed to lie. I said, I'm not lying. The Bible said if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Matter of fact, I'm not lying. I am telling the truth. Because the whole life is gone. And everything else has become new. My past does not define me. I do not identify by the accidents and the troubles of yesterday. I am defined by what God said I am. I am defined by the word of the living God. And I prophesy over your life that every lie that you have been bought, you have been sold to, forced off from you tonight, today, in the name of Jesus. And you begin to walk in the truth of God's word for your life in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. God, you are created in the image of God. Sin came to destroy. It was sin. But God said that in the midst of that, you are way too terrific. You are way too precious to me. Ah, I'm not going to let you go off that easily. I'm going to do everything in my power to restore you. I'm going to do everything in my power to bring you back. That's why you see, you can go off, you can do all things, and then God pulls you back because God, God values you. You are precious in his sight. You are great. You are wonderful to him. Oh, man. If we can, if we can only know what God thinks about us. But we could if we open the Bible. The Bible said in Colossians chapter 1, I believe from verse 20, 21, 22 going. The Bible says that for, put Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1 from 19. Let me read from verse 19 just to be safe. Man, the scripture guy is like fast. <laughs> for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you who once were alienated, the Bible says you, you were enemies, you were aliens, you were foreigners, were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled you. In the body of his flesh through death, to present you. So you see, God has reconciled you and placed you in the body of Christ 
through death to present you holy. So you see, when God sees you, what does God see? God sees a holy man. Regardless of what you did, God sees a holy man. He said, he has presented you holy and blameless. Oh, so you can't be blamed for your faults. You can't be blamed for your past. You can't be blamed for the things you did. Nobody can come to you and say that, hey, you, you did this bad, you did that. No, God said that you are unblameable and unreproachable. You cannot be reproached. Because in God's sight, we must see ourselves like God sees us. We cannot be blamed and we cannot be reproached in his sight. Because when God sees you, he do not see you, but he sees his son, Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you this, you have been enveloped in the body of Christ. Paul said that the life that I live is no longer I that I live, but Christ lives in me. For in him I live and have my being. Oh, glory to God. You are Jesus walking on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. So, you are of great value. It's not, your past should never define you. Oh, even when we were sinners. Even when we were, so you realize that there's, you, you did nothing for salvation. Matter of fact, your salvation was already paid for before you were ever thought of. That's how much God values you. He knew that in some years you would be born. And you, because the Bible says that in sin were we conceived. And you would be conceived in sin. And you would be bound for hell. And he knew that if I don't do anything about it, you will live in this earth and end up in hell. And he said, no, you are too precious for me. You are too valuable for me for me to lose. So he made a way for you where there seems to be no way. Glory be to God. I am created in the image of God. Hallelujah. God values you. You were created for dominion and God has never changed his mind. You were created for dominion and God never changed his mind. Because when they came to Jesus and asked him about divorce, they said that Moses said, you know, if you want to change your wife, just bring the divorce um, certificate and let's, you know, offer a divorce certificate and then you can change your wife. Then Jesus said in the beginning it was not so. So which means that there was God's original intent in the beginning. So we have to always go back to what, does, what was God's original intent for our lives. God, when he created man, he says that have dominion over the earth, over the fishes in the sea. And over the, you were made to have dominion. You were made to have dominion and God has never changed his mind. Let me tell you this. You are made to have dominion over sickness and disease. You have been made to have dominion over all the works of the devil. You have been made to have dominion over marital issues. You have been made to have dominion over the troubles that is in this world. You are not made for the world to dominate you. You have not been made to become a victim of the works of the enemy. But God said, I give you power to trample over scorpions and serpents and nothing shall by enemies harm you. In the name of Jesus, receive your dominion back. Receive your power back. In the name of Jesus, you are no longer going to be victimized, but you are going to, you are no longer going to be a victim, but you are going to be a victimizer of the works of the devil. For
for this reason the son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil you are the works of the devil destroyer in the name of Jesus you are going to go home full of power you are going to go home full of authority and you are going to destroy every work of the devil concerning your life concerning your family anything that has risen up against you God gives you power to destroy it in Jesus name if you believe it shout amen, amen. let your amen roar like thunder oh somebody shout hallelujah you have been made to have dominion. God created you to have dominion. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. That is a lie. Don't buy into the lies of the enemy. You are not a victim. Stand up. Put your shoulders. Square up your shoulders. Put your head high and begin to walk. Stop putting your head down like the third person on the evolution chart. No, 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 no. You are made to have dominion. The power of God. For greater is he who lives in you than they that are of the world. Let me tell you this. David said, For yet though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I shall fear no evil because I know that God is with me. For by my God I can run through a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. I don't care the gang of hell that has come up against you. There, there is enough firepower on your inside to blow back the attacks of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ you are walking in dominion you are walking in power you are taking over your you are taking back your rightful place in the name of Jesus enough is enough enough of the devil's lies enough of the devil's tricks for Jesus when he descended the Bible says that he stripped the devil of all his ability to harm you the devil is not going to have the final say for all power belongs to God in the name of Jesus all power belongs to God all power belongs to God I am made for dominion I am not a victim of the devil I am not a victim of the devil. Hallelujah. God said, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seeds, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose, every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be um, for food, and also every beast of the earth, and every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 to verse 30, God said, I have given you dominion. Let me tell you this, anything that moves on this earth is under your authority. You know, that is why I'm not afraid of the arrows that fly by day or the arrows that fly by noonday because I know that a greater one lives on the inside of me. 
Oh, for me with God, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I have power. I have authority in the name of Jesus. Power belongs to God. Hallelujah. I have made for dominion. I am born to dominate. I am born to dominate. I dominate over sickness. I dominate over every tricks of the devil. Let me tell you this. Somebody asked me, where does Satan live? Does Satan live on the moon? Does Satan live in the middle of the earth? And I said, no, 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 no. You want me to show you where Satan left? I lifted up my feet. I said, can you see the devil? He lives under my feet in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, you've been lied to that the devil is powerful. No. Oh, don't trouble him. You know, the devil is powerful. Let me tell you, I've cast out a lot of devils. You know, one, one, revelation, one thing that um, I realized even in a crusade, because in our crusade, when we first started doing crusade, they would, we, they would be setting up the stage, and people would walk on the field whilst they are setting up the stage, and people, demons will start manifesting. We get on the crusade grounds. Sometimes they will start before we get there. Our car will pull up on the crusade grounds, and the demons will start interrupting. The moment our car makes an entry, Demons will start, people will start falling on the power, demons will manifest. So, you know, as a young preacher coming out of Bible school where my professors, except Dr. Henson, told us about how powerful the devil was, it was, you know, amazing to see how weak the devil was. But then, so we would spend the whole night casting our devils. And I saw that it was interrupting the service. Because as we focus so much, come out, I won't come. Why won't you come? Because I don't feel like it. No, you will come. No, I won't come. And we go, come, I won't come. Come, I won't come. Come, I won't come. Turn into a song. Okay, I am gone, but I'm here. I am gone, but I'm here. No, you know they will say that. Come out, I won't come. Come out, okay, I am gone. No, it happens like that. So one day I began to pray and the Lord spoke to me and said, no, you are... That is what the devil wants. The devil wants attention. So I said, oh. Hmm. You want attention? I'm going to give you all the attention you need. So I, st I stood on the crusade ground and I never commanded the devil. I never said anything about Satan. I'm talking about demons were manifesting. And whilst I was preaching, they were falling. And you could see the devil's leaving. Leaving. Living because that is true authority. A man with authority doesn't have to tell you that I have authority. You understand what I'm saying? And I realized that you know what? I don't have to cast out the devil. When I come, he has to leave. Because the Bible says, For light shineth and darkness comprehended it not. I see your light coming on tonight in the name of Jesus. Your light is shining and you're going to go home and every devil that troubles your family will pack his bags and leave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil has lost the battle over your life. The devil has lost you for good. For you are going from victory to victory. From glory to glory. And from strength to strength. If you believe you clap your hands and shout amen. All, you got, all I got to do is turn on the light. And let me tell you this. When we stop casting out devils. Stop focusing on the devil. More devils started coming out. And then. 
That is when miracles started happening. Oh, man. You know why? Because I realized that I am made for dominion. I have dominion. I have dominion over the devil. I have dominion over the works of the devil. Oh, for Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus said that the works that I do, you also would do, and greater works than this would you do. And he says that as my father sent, I so sent I you. So you have been sent by Christ. And for, for this reason that the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Man, you could put your name there. For this reason, Kofi was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. I tell you, Houston, I tell you, power of love, church. I did not come all the way from Pittsburgh to preach a cool message. I came here with an unction upon my head, with an unction upon my head to destroy every works of the devil in your life and in your family. I declare this is the hour of your liberation. This is the hour of your freedom. You are coming out of every bondage. You are coming out of every prison door. Whatever the devil has done against your life, against your family, it ceases today. Enough is enough. Hallelujah. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. In Psalm, Psalm 8, Psalm 8, verse, I was going to say some, you know, Dr. Henson is here, so I'm very, very, I have to remember all my Bible college stuff. I was going to say Psalm chapter 8, but then he would have stand up and say, hey, Psalm is not in chapters. <laughs> You know, Psalm is not in chapters. Anybody knew that? Okay, only one person. But now, now you know. I'm not judging you. Psalm 8, verse 6 to 8. He said that you have made him have dominion over the works of your hands. He's talking about man. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Hallelujah. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We have been made because through Christ we have been made to have dominion over all things. Hallelujah. That is who you are. That is who you are. You know, it's, so you, it's not about what anybody thinks. This is who you have been made to have dominion. Hallelujah. You are valuable as you are. It doesn't matter. You don't have to become like somebody else. You don't have to change who you are. Yes, you want to get close and conform to the image of the almighty God. But you are valuable as you are before the eyes of God. God values people, God values you. God values you. You must see yourself as God sees you. Because until you see yourself as God sees you, you will live a life lesser than what God has intended for you to live. Because God wants you to live a life of dominion, a life of victory. 
God wants you to have the God kind of life. You know, Jesus, he says that I, I, I came to give you life and life more abundant. That life is not the life we live, but that life is called the Zoe, which is the higher life. Higher than the normal human life. God wants you to live a Zoe life. The life of the gospel. The life of the gospel. The life of dominion. The life full of the promises and the manifestations of the promises of the almighty God. God values you. You must see yourself as God sees you. You have to understand that Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Oh man. Just think about that for a minute. He died for me. He died for my sins. He died for my sickness. He died for my shame. Put Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53 on the screen for me. Jesus died for me. Put um, verse 3. Isaiah 53 verse 3. Go back, let, go back to verse 1. Let me read from verse 1. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report and to whom the arm of the Lord has revealed? For he shall grow up from him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He has not form, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely. Surely, you know, other passage says certainly. It means that you can go to the bank with this. It means that there is no negotiation. There is no second thought. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken and smitten by God. So, you see, Jesus came and bore your griefs. That is how precious you are. Jesus said, you no longer have to carry grief in you. You no longer have to bore any sorrows. I'm going to take anything that brings you grief. I'm going to take anything that brings you sorrow. Yet we esteem him stricken by God and afflicted. Go to the next one, verse 5. But he was wounded. For our transgression. Oh man. I'm telling you. I, you know, I, when I read this scripture. It's like it would change my whole sermon. He was wounded for our transgression. And he was bruised for our iniquities. So Jesus was punished for your sins. Because of how vulnerable. Because God said. You know though you have sinned. You have done terrible things. I, you are too valuable for me. For me to see the punishment of your sins. Come upon you. I'm going to put it all on my son. And I don't want you to be punished for the things you have done. The Bible said that he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastity of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we, we are healed in the name of Jesus. So, you see, God knew everything that you would ever go through and you ever experience and he paid it all. He paid it all because of the value that he placed on your life. Because of the value that he placed on your life. He laid, Jesus laid down his life for you. True self-esteem 
comes when you esteem God. True self-esteem. Let me tell you this. There is nothing precious. There is nothing glorious about me except the glory of God. There is nothing extraordinary about me except the extraordinary God. There is nothing wonderful about me except I serve a wonderful God. All I do is that I believe in God. And if I believe in God and I believe in who he is. And if I believe in who he is and I believe in what he is. And if I believe in what he is and I believe in who he said I am. Then I believe in what he said I am. That's all. True self-esteem comes when you esteem God. Let me tell you this. Anything outside of that is pride. Paul said that I do. My boasting is not in my own self but in Christ. Because you can never know yourself unless you know God. The Bible said for the scriptures it's like a mirror. When you look, you find who you are. You're able to discover who you are. Don't let the world define you. Don't let your feelings define you. You know, matter of fact, we live in a very crazy world. People are defined by their feelings. Somebody wake up one day and said, I feel like I'm a girl. I feel like I'm a boy. One guy told me, he said, I am gender fluid. I said, what is gender fluid? Somebody melted your gender? How does that work? He said, um, um, it all depends on um, what I feel. I said, so from the way you are talking, how are you feeling today? And as you're talking, I was... This is a true story. True story. I, and I was friends with his father. We were doing um, outreach in... Um, in a, I'm naive because if I give details, some of you might put two on two together. So we were in a Barbados doing missionary work. <laughs> and we were in the same Airbnb with them. So the moment he told me that he was gender fluid, I'm telling you, this God is my witness. Every time I enter the door, I shut the door, boom, put all my luggage. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm just saying, this is just, but it's whatever. But we live in a generation where people are moved by what they feel. I don't feel happy. Who cares? <laughs> Let me be honest with you and Pastor George. Would pre- when we're sitting in the back, I didn't feel like preaching. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I didn't feel like preaching. You know what I felt like? Going to bed. Preaching with my wife, my wife asked me, What are you preaching on? I don't know. <laughs> my mind is not even on the preaching. <laughs> I can't think of anything to speak on. But it's not about how I feel. Jeremiah said that the fire of God, the word of God, is shoved in my bones. Hallelujah. You know, there's, I'm not moved by circumstances, I'm not moved by situations. I'm moved by the word of God. I am who God said I am. Glory be to God. So you don't live your life based on what you feel. Your true self-esteem comes from you esteeming God. The Bible says that for we are his workmanship created 
in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, I am made for good works. I am made for good works. For created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk. Put Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 on the screen. Daniel 1 verse 8. For we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. But Daniel purpose in his heart that we would not defile himself with that portion. So you see, Daniel knew that he was created for good works, so it didn't matter what was going on. He said, I refuse to succumb to the pressures of the world. Though it looks pleasing to the eyes, it's appetizing to eat the food that the kings eat. But what the kings eat is not what I eat. I am of a different kingdom. This kingdom eats one thing, but this kingdom eats another thing. I would rather starve myself to, than to stoop so low. I tell you this, the reason why people easily fall in sin because they have not esteem, they, don't, they have no self-esteem. Let me tell you this, if you begin to put value on yourself, you will not do certain things. I don't drink alcohol because I am called of God, I am separated unto God. I have been called for good works. I have been made for good works. Not, not because, you know, has nothing, it has nothing to do with what, it, what even the Bible says about alcohol. It has everything to do with the fact that for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Hallelujah. I am a peculiar, I'm not like the world. I am a child of the living God. You are the child of the living God. Glory be to God. You are the child of the living God. So, there is, there is certain that Daniel understood that. Daniel said, no, I'm not going to defile myself with a king's food. I'm not going to, I'm not like this world. I'm not going to live life like the world lives. I am too, I am too good. I'm too better. There was a, a famous story, and I'm, I'm going to close with this. I'm not going to finish my message because we have a few days together. There is a famous story that Dr. T.L. Osborne used to share of the French captured, um, the French prince who was captured by their enemies. And they killed everybody in the kingdom, including his father and his mom. And they said that this boy is too young for us to kill. Because if we kill him, he's, he's, so, he's so innocent. If we kill him, he's going to go to heaven. So why don't we bring him to our place, raise him up, Give him to the witch. Let the witch train him to curse so that his soul would be defiled. And after he curses, we can kill him and send him to hell. And they raised up the kid. And the kid grew up. And the witch brought him in, tried to teach him how to um, pronounce incantations and curse. And the boy said, I will not curse. And he said, why would you curse? He said, because I'm a prince. And prince, he says, I'm a future king and kings don't curse. Kings don't speak evil out of their mouth. That was a boy that esteemed who he was, knew who he was. Hallelujah. When you know who you are, there are certain places you wouldn't go. Oh, man, I, I said to a young boy, I said to a young boy who was growing his hair. And 
I said, what are you, why don't you cut your hair? He said, because I want to get dreadlocks. I said, okay, I'm not saying that dreadlocks is a sin or anything like that, but I said, tell me any person of prominence, any person of influence in any part of the world that has dreadlocks. He stood and he looked at me. I said, because you can't find one. There is a way successful people behave. You can learn the habits of a successful person and you become successful. There is a way that people that know their God behave. There is a way that kings behave. Kings walk a certain way. Kings dress a certain way. Kings talk a certain way. Hallelujah. I am of God's kind. Glory be to God. I am the king's kid. Glory be to God. I don't do certain things, not because I can't do it, because I am of too much value. Hallelujah. There is too much value. There is too much importance to my life. I can't stoop low to the devil's level. No way. Glory be to God. So there, there has to be, you have to learn how to self-value yourself. When you begin to self-value yourself, it would wipe out every inferiority, every low self-esteem. Because you are God's class of a being. I am God's class of a being. Oh, man. Forget about Zeus and uh, what, is, um, what is the other name? Zeus and other people. I am, I am the real life Zeus. Hallelujah. <laughs> I am born of God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I am of God's class. I behave differently. I talk differently. I speak the word of God out of my mouth. I bless and I curse. Hallelujah. You know, when, some, when people sneeze around me, I don't say God bless you. No. Because I know who I am. If I say God bless you, you are indeed going to be blessed. So it must take more than sneezing <laughs> to get a blessing out of me. You can sneeze all your way. You're not getting any blessing out of me. <laughs> Glory be to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Self-value would get rid of jealousy. Self-value would get rid of jealousy. When you begin to see yourself like God sees you, you will stop being jealous of other people. Because you know that the greater one lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. It would get rid of all kinds of jealousy. You would never again want to be anyone else except yourself. When you begin to value yourself, you would not want to be anybody. I don't want to be anybody else. I am unique in my own way. I am, I am a peculiar person. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. You can never find two coffees. You can never find anybody like me. And if they have mannerisms like me, they don't have a wife like I do. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are unique. You need to start embracing yourself. Embracing who God has made you. Oh man, glory be to God. You get rid of all kinds of jealousy. When you value yourself, you wipe out all kinds of inferiority. Because greater is the person... Or any person, there is no greater person outside of you 
There's the truth. We just got to be honest with ourselves. If God lives in you, he who, he who is in you is greater than anyone that is outside of you. The greater one, God, the God, the creator of the universe lives in you. Tell me who is greater. No, 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 no. I'm not inferior to anyone. I'm not inferior to anyone. We honor people, we respect people, but we don't put ourselves down for anyone. We humble ourselves before men, but we don't see any man above us. Glory be to God. Self-value would eliminate the fear of failure. Because you know that if God be for me, what, can, what then can sin against me? He says that when you are blessed when you go out and you are blessed when you come in. Everything your hand touched shall be blessed. Oh, Hallelujah. Self-value would eliminate any fear of failure or defeat because nothing can stop you. God is working together for your good. All things work together for my good. Nothing can stop me. That business shall be successful. That store shall be successful. My marriage shall work. My children shall be great. All that which concern me for all things work together for good for those who are in Christ and are called according to his works. Called according to his love. Hallelujah. It would take away every fear of failure or defeat. Self-value would give you courage. Because you discover that with God at work in you, you become indomitable. It would give you courage because, you know, when we go and do crusade, we go to places. I'm to, you know, I'm, I'm being honest with you. We, the places we go to. I had pastor friends of mine in Africa. They live in the south and they would never want to go to where we go to. I'm, and that's the reason why there's no churches there. Nobody goes there because that real witchcraft, real. You know, you, you sit in America and you talk about witchcraft. You don't know what witchcraft is. Let me take you to Africa. You know, so, somebody said in, in, in America, witches fly on brooms. In, in Africa, they snap their fingers and they are gone. You know. They don't need a broom. They are, they are way too advanced. <laughs> in America, witches wear hat. In Africa, they don't need a hat. No, no. You know, some of the places we go very dark. But I've never, I've never had any fear. Because I can't wrap my mind around the fact that a witch has the ability to stop me. If that same spirit rose Christ from the dead dwelleth in me. Yet though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know, it's not a matter of boasting and bragging. It's just that my mind doesn't even go there. I don't, you know, when we go to crusade, I never have thought, I'm telling you the truth, I've never have thought of praying for protection. Never. What devil, what devil, what devil, what devil has the ability to stop the child of God? You know, one man said to me, we are praying for you. I said, why? You know, no, he said that we are praying that God uh, protects you. I said, wait, there is something called protection. You really, you know, because you have to realize that I'm going with God. His spirit lives in me. I am unstoppable. I am indomitable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, 
in, in never case. We are praying that God give us the maximum impacts. God give us miracles. God give us souls. That's all. That's all we are focused on. Why should I waste my time to pray for the pro- protection from who the devil needs protected from me? It is the truth. And you know, I could share some of the stories from our crusade and some of you, your jaw would drop. I remember one place that we had a pastor's conference and one pastor lifted up his hand and said, what do you do if you've been trying to plant a church in a place and every time we do it, there is a witch doctor there that is so powerful. All the people, because I'm talking about we go to small villages. So it's places where everybody knows everybody. The witch doctor is so powerful there and he threatens the people not to come to the church and we start a church and within three months there is nobody. And so what do we do? I said, ah, what do you do? Just pray. Just pray him out. Kick him out. He said, ah, but we've been doing. We've been praying. And he's still there. I said, how long have you been trying? He said, about three years. I said, wait, I haven't prayed yet. <laughs> I called the pastor forward. I said, grab my hands. I said, Father, I remove. All I said. I didn't say, oh, Father, we bind us. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I remove this witch doctor from that village. Amen. Let me tell you this. Let him go to another village. When he goes to the village and the pastors there come to me, we will deal with him there. Very soon we will keep moving him, moving him. They called me, this was in November, they called me in January and said that all of a sudden he packed his bags and left. You know, am I a special person? No, all I'm, I'm telling you, I'm trying for you to understand what I have discovered in the word. That's all I'm trying for you to do. Because enough is enough. The devil should no longer have power over you. You become indomitable. Self-value will cause you to stand up tall, to square your shoulders, to look out in the future with confidence, and to walk with a steady stride to raise to the level of the importance of which God created you. Self-value. Self-value will cause you to love like you are loved. You begin to love people. When you begin to value yourself, you begin to love people like you are loved by God. Because you begin to realize that God believes in you. You are part of God's plan. You are part of God's plan. You are unique. You are the only one of you that God has. You are the... Don't let me... Don't let any... One lie to you. You are the only one of you that God has. God does not have two of you. That is why you are so precious. You are the only one of you that God has. So you got to believe it. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. You got to say it. You have to say it. I am the only one that God has. I am peculiar. I am a special person. Hallelujah. You got to believe it. You got you to gotta talk it. And you got to walk it. You got to walk it. Glory be to God. You got to pray it. You got to confess it. Because it's true. It's the truth. Man, I, I, I pray it in my life. I am unique. I am blessed. I am anointed. You know, every time before I preach, I tell myself, the word of God is in me. The word of God has the ability to perform that which it has promised to perform. I am anointed. The fire of God causes through my beings. When I speak, I speak from heaven. 
the power of God. I lay my hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. I am the chosen of God. I tell myself, when I was walking down, you know, Pastor George probably didn't hear, but I was whispering it. It sounded like I was praying in tongues, but I was whispering it. I am anointed. When I grab the mic, I move into a different dimension. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you value, you need, you need to learn how to value yourself. You are part of God's plan. You are in his plan. He paid a supreme price for you. God would not pay. You know, God wouldn't pay that price for a nobody. Why would he kill his son for a nobody? Why would Jesus die for a nobody? Jesus only died for somebody. And you are a somebody. You are a somebody. Am I speaking to somebody today? God works through you. You are his hands and you are his feet. You are precious in his sight. God works through you. God values you. I'm going to end with this. God values you. If anything at all, you have to understand that God values you. Because we've been taught to have faith in God, but we've never been told that God has faith in us. God knew 2,000 years ago, or before the foundations of the earth, that if I send my son to die for you, you would hear the word of God preached to you, and you would believe it, and you would accept him. God knew that. So God knew that the sacrifice he was making would not be in vain because you would accept him. He believed in you. He believed that regardless of the troubles you've been through or whatever you have experienced, a time will come when the word of God comes to you, you will not harden your heart, but you would open up your heart. God did that for you because he has faith in you. God knows that when the word of faith is being preached, you would receive the word in your heart. And you would live according to the word. And you would do what the word of God says. God has faith in you. God knows that when you hear the call of salvation, you will not harden your heart. But you would run to the altar and say, Lord, here I am. Use me for what you want to use me for. God knew that. God believes in you. Let me tell you this. God knows that he, when he gives his anointing to you, you would use the anointing to help others. The reason why we have been, you know, it's like we've been clogged up and we can't receive a flow of God in us is because we've bought into a lie. But today, as the truth of God's word has come, we shall forget all the lies of the devil. We shall begin to put value on ourselves. We shall begin to esteem God. We shall believe to walk the way God wants us to walk. We shall begin to do what God wants us to do. That regardless of what we have experienced or what we have gone through, it does not define who we are. Who we are is what God says we are. Glory be to God. Our past does not define us. There is a great future. There is a great place that God wants us to come to. God wants us to come to the top. God wants us to use us as a testimony. Because the Bible says that all things work together. It doesn't matter what the devil, it is the thief that came to steal. But God said that I might come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That the Bible says that what the enemy meant for bad, God is turning it around. 
What the enemy meant for bad, the devil man have orchestrated to destroy your life. To make you hate life. To make you say that if there is God, how come I went through this? But God is saying that it wasn't me. It was the devil. But I'm going to make you. I'm going to take advantage of what the devil thought he was using to destroy your life. And give you the biggest promotion. That your story, instead of your story bringing you down, your story is going to uplift others. Hallelujah. 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 So you see, in life, when you, you have to learn how to connect with God and say, that God, I open up myself to you. Do your work in me. And this morning, the Lord had me preach this message because, you know, this is not how I, I start revival services. I preach this message only once. And I said to my wife last time, I'm going to preach this message. Because I preached it to a youth, and I thought it was a very good youth service. But there is people that have lived life for so long, that have lived in deception. The devil has lied to them. And they've, they've thought that, you know what? There's people here tonight. As I'm speaking right now, and as a matter of fact, it is funny. As I was coming, I was watching a sermon today. And it's a preacher that I haven't watched in a very long time. I haven't watched him in a very, very long time, in years. I used to watch him when I was in Bible school. But he was preaching at Dr. Paul's church, his old building. And whilst he was ministering, preached a very powerful service. And he said that there's many people here that you have thought of suicide and contemplated suicide. And he began to minister to them. And whilst I was listening, the Lord ministered to me and said, there's going to be people that are going to be set free from the thought of suicide in the service this morning. So I'm going to give a two-fold altar call. If you are here, I want you to rise up on your feet. Rise up on your feet, everyone. And I want you to just be quiet. Just, you know, reflect on the message that I've preached. Let God work in your heart. Let the word of God marinate in your heart. And I'm going to give you opportunity today. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, or maybe you once did, but you are not living for him. You've allowed the curse of this world to move you away. Maybe it was because of a sudden divorce, a sudden death of a loved one. Too, you, are, you got too busy with the curse of the world, and you realize that you are not living with, for God like you're supposed to. Up until this service, you felt something, a drawing in your heart and in your spirit said, I need to live for the Lord. Or maybe you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and said, somebody invited you to this service and you came today and you said, man, I need to make things right with the Lord. Maybe that is your story. Or, you know, let me take off this first. So you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You want to do that. Let me tell you this. God values you enough to send Jesus to die for you. And God believes that when you hear the call today, you are not going to harden your heart, but you would receive this great thing called salvation. You know, in the course of the week, I'm going to do a healing service. I'm going to pray for the sick. But I want to get this taken care of. Because I want you to see that what Jesus did for you was not in vain. I want you to see from God's perspective why he will send his son to come and die for you. And this morning you are saying that, man, I am of great importance to God. I'm of great value. And I'm not going to live my life like a useless person, like somebody who has no 
value anymore, but I'm going to grab hold of who God, what God has made me, and I'm going to walk as God sees me. The Bible said that when Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking, when you hear the call, do not hide in your heart. If you are here, and anything that I'm saying bears witness in your heart, he said, I need to make things right with God. I need to go home, lay my head to the pillow, and knowing that I've made peace with God. Or I need to come back to the Lord. Let me do this. Let me come back to him with every eye closed, every head bowed. If you are here this morning, I want you to quietly just put your right hand up. And I'm going to pray with you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. If you are here, you don't want to leave this place knowing that there is something separating between you and God. 